Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast. And we're going to forget about Thursday night. Uh, Nate and I both remember a time where we had no bet Thursdays because it's just a bunch of weird games. Teams on back-to-backs, the Celtics traveling immediately after their starters play 40 minutes to Milwaukee on a plane to then play the Bucks. That seems pretty fair. So a lot of blowouts last night. I don't think there were a lot of happy NBA fans or betters, but we will press on to a much more robust Friday night slate here, Nate, with 10 games on it for us. So this is Best Bets. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page and check out the play of props that we're bringing you each and every weekday as well. Also want you to head to thelines.com. Use everything we're putting up on the site, especially that odds finder tool that we have under the NBA tab. Make sure you're getting the best juice and odds available to you from all of these books, giving us NBA bets this season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first best bet here on Friday night. Yeah, same uh, look we had on Tuesday where Orlando was at Minnesota. And we said, look, if Paolo goes under his points prop, they're not winning this game. And they got they got smacked. They were down 30 in the third quarter, I believe. So I'll do it again here, Paolo, under 26.5 points at Miami in the Heat to win, plus 175. I think you can take the minus three, and then you're, you're going up to plus 210, maybe a little bit on that. But look, I, I mean, the Magic, they have jumped up a bit, some good teams, including at the start of this stretch without Franz Wagner. And, and full respect to them, like, they grind out wins. But, like, now you're facing a, the, the grinders of all grinders at home, uh, the Miami Heat, who, you know, we used to not bet in the regular season. But, honestly, like, I, I'm I'm riding with them right now when they're at home and they have Bam Adebayo, 9-3 and three straight up, and they've covered five straight as favorites, lost three straight as dogs. So it is predictable. And guys have been in and out in terms of role players, but – not a big deal. I mean, Hero and Caleb Martin are technically questionable tonight. Lowry and Jimmy are going to be out. Jimmy's been out for a while, but like, whatever. Like, you tell me, Hawkes gets more usage. Josh Richardson more time off the bench. Uh, jo- Jovic going to play more. Like, this is this is the Miami Heat who just extended their coach who is maybe the best in the NBA. And in their last eleven since getting banned, they're allowing the fifth fewest points, fourth lowest three point percentage. They've beaten Orlando seven straight times at home. Plus 11 and a half net rating. Uh, Orlando scoring under 100 points in those games. And the individual matchup for Paolo is pretty much as tough as it was against Minnesota, where he came out with a huge usage rate still, tried to keep it rolling the way he did against the Nuggets and Hawks. Um, <clears throat> but it didn't didn't work. I mean, held mostly because he wasn't able to get to the line against a team that doesn't foul, right? One for four from the free throw line after 40 free throw attempts his previous three games. Miami is fourth in terms of limiting free throw attempts. They just held OKC to 16 and SGA to his lowest free throw total in 17 games, keeping him under his total did lose the game. Uh, But, you know, I don't think that the magic have the same kind of supporting cast without Franz Wagner again, uh, that, that we would expect to see from OKC other guys stepping up. I mean, Paolo in his career against the heat four games, 15 and a half points per game. He's a minus 32, 93 offensive rating. And three of those were at home. Uh, so much tougher ask here going up uh, to Miami and trying to meet the big brother in the in the state. Yeah, I feel that. I'm I'm wondering, like, do you, do you think that the um the the reason that Paulo, I guess, has has sort of fluctuated this season, especially, is because Franz is in. Like, do we take any any weight into that and say, like, well, his usage is going to stay super high even if he's playing good matchups, and that's why we've because I, I feel comfortable taking Paulo unders even when Franz is in and it's at like 22 and a half points a lot, right? Cause that's even a high number. So I'm just wondering what you think about that. I, 
Yeah, I, I think the usage will stay high here, um, but I think it's to the team's detriment when you face a tough matchup like Minnesota, which is what we saw. Like, he shot the ball 22 times, and where did it get them? Right. Got them down by 25 right. points because, like, why are you forcing it? He's He doesn't have a very versatile game. Like, he everything is going to the basket, hoping to get foul calls, and Miami, with Bam back there, is happy to let you do that and, and avoid fouling and just and just destroy your offense that way. Yeah, yeah I feel that, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it too because I was looking at Paolo unders for for player props and missed it last time when you had it as a best bet, and this time I was like, I'll just let you have it. There's some other player props out there with ten games, but I, I fully agree. So um, let me go ahead and talk about Atlanta and Indiana for a second. And the Pacers were streaking in a good way for a minute after struggling you know after the uh the in-season tournament that they lost in the championship so now we're in a, a position where they just beat the wizards they don't have tyrese halliburton and i don't buy it i don't buy what i just saw i mean i, I kind of actually do buy it because it was an awful game against the wizards where the only reason that the pacers were able to pull that one out is because the Wizards shot 22 percent from three and like 42 percent from the field as a team pacers were slightly better than that uh in that game against one of the worst defensive teams in the league uh, what I was looking at from the last game, right, is mostly the assist percentage way down. Um, the the rebounds fine. It's it's like it should be higher against Washington, who's one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. Maybe they just didn't really bring it. But this is a Hawks team that's going to bring it to them at home and has been a bunch better as of late, anyway. Especially at home, right? They've they've won uh, four of their last five. They're covering as well uh, when when they're uh, home favorites uh, in a, a small home favorites. I should be very clear because they actually haven't even really been big home favorites at any point this season. Uh, but that's that's really what I'm looking at is like the transition defense for Indiana was just as bad as it's been. It was really bad against the Wizards. Uh, and like I said, they just got the benefit of, of some really bad three-point shooting more than anything from the Wiz in that game. The Hawks, I don't think they're going to get that same level uh, of sort of like leniency, if you will, right, to just not play that good a defense. Uh, the, the offensive rating for the Hawks, it's, it's just it's better at home. Um, the defensive rating is terrible. They're c- comparable to the Wizards. But this is going to be a game that I don't think is as smooth or as clean as you might think. The the uh, Pacers in their last game against the Wizards, they were getting out into transition, but they were giving up those points as well. And the, like I said, the, the open shots that they took, they had, uh, you know, I love to, to look at my my box scores and see open shots versus covered shots, right, on defense. Uh, and it was up about 65% of their shots were, uh, were contested in this last game, which is like absurd, like wild, because like, the Wizards don't play defense, but the Pacers just aren't moving the ball, right? I, I was watching that game just going a lot of standing around and probably because they're used to doing that with Halliburton when he's out there. It's really not that tough to stand around, just slide with Halliburton, just watch what he's doing and play off of him and rotate into the spaces that he leaves. And that's just not, there's nobody to do that anymore, right? Like Nembhard still did get his assist. He's the only one though, right? In the last game, he I think he ended up with uh, six or so. And he's the only one who, who's getting dimes because of the fact that like, that's what they rely on is that's the only way that they get those dimes. So with the way that it's super choppy, I, like I just think that the, the Hawks are going to outscore them, but I don't really think it needs to get to 252 and a half either, right? We just saw a huge under for the Pacers when they played the Wizards because of that awful shooting percentage. I don't really see it going up, right? If it was like a good defense that they just played and now they're playing a bad defense in the, in the Hawks, I might say, oh, okay, maybe the Pacers will come along for the ride a little bit more. They just got shut down by the Wolves or the Heat or what have you. Not the case, right? It's, it's just going to be a stagnant offense. We've seen them have one good offensive game, and that was against the Heat without Bam Adebayo, which was really interesting this season without Halliburton, right? And the other games, real big time struggles on on defense. Obviously, the the um, on offense, especially the the Timberwolves and the Celtics, two of the best defensive teams in the league. That'll happen. 
Uh, but then when it comes down to the other th- uh, two games, including that one against the Wiz, I'm just like, I don't, I don't trust this offense without Halliburton for the entirety of a, of a whole game. Yeah. And I think that's where I lean more is the under um, or Hawks money line plus under. I don't trust the Hawks to cover. I think they're still the worst team in the league against the spread. I mean, the Pacers could fall apart though without Halliburton. Uh, but the Hawks have been playing a little bit better defense for sure since they got Jalen Johnson back. I mean, they have some some quality performances at home. Couldn't couldn't shut down SGA and the Thunder in an over there, but you know held held the Kings down um, to just one ten at home. Held would have held the held the Sixers under this total last night if uh, or two nights ago if not for overtime. So maybe they hold the Pacers under their team total, and that's the way you want to go with it. Um, Minus five and a half is is a little scary for me for just this Hawks team that Rock. finds a way to get in their own way. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Pacers without Halliburton, let's fade them. Let's fade the Portland Trailblazers as well on Sounds game good. seven of their road trip, um, you know, and a back-to-back here. And they have just let go of the rope completely, fully embracing the tank. When you see minutes for, like, Malcolm Brogdon's played 17 minutes per game when he's been active on this road trip. Like, they have no interest in having a professional offense. He's the only source of, you know, of, of consistency for them. Scoot Henderson was like a minus 45 in his last game against OKC, but they just want to see what they have in him. You know, Tybal barely playing. Uh, and so the way I'm going to target it is still the opposing team's team total. The Wolves to score 119 here as they bounce back from an overtime loss. I think Gobert is going to sit this game. Like, I mean, they don't really need him against a team that is literally not not threatening um and so be ready to fire on Nas Reed props if Gobert is ruled out or if you see those pop up before Gobert is ruled out either way um Wolves are going to be looking ahead to a Sunday game against the Clippers very big game there uh and they just they don't need their full squad here but when they, when they have sat Gobert last season they scored 121 a game versus 115 with him offensive rating seven points better hit four more threes at 40 percent pace a little faster we just saw them play Boston tough without Gobert, um, and and of course Portland's defense nowhere near that. They're allowing the most points to centers. Again, Nas Reed gonna eat. They've allowed one twenty six at plus in five five of their last six here on this road trip. Um, They're one twenty two defensive rating, and <clears throat> Simons his last four against the Wolves one twenty five individual defensive rating. Anthony Edwards has averaged nearly thirty five a game. He can do whatever he wants out here. And then the Wolves' second unit can just clean this up if, if the Blazers are – they're probably totally fine with losing as many games as possible here, um, especially at the end of this road trip. Yeah, I mean, who who they're throwing out there at this point is just, you know, ran, random dudes, man. Uh, that, that wasn't even a basketball game last night. Um, the, the, the Thunder were able – the Thunder had their starters in with six minutes into the third quarter and they were up by 50 and we almost lost the Chet under as a result of that, but it hit because he only played the 25 minutes because he didn't have to play the last, you know, 18 minutes of the game. I, I don't have anything else to say about them. I don't think that their players are tanking. I think we know that they're just putting an assortment of guys on the floor that have no business being out there together. Um, and it's, it's, that's, this is the result. So I, I, yeah, just I'll blindly follow anyone who wants to fade the Blazers right now. Um, I'm going to close things out with another sort of <laughs> blind fade of the Golden State Warriors. Like I'm the dude at the black, at the, the black, the, the uh, roulette table. Who's like, I'm hitting, if, if black hits eight times in a row, I'm hitting black a ninth time. Like I'm not going to switch it up. Right? I hate that. Cause I get more regret from leaving it. Steph is coming. I don't know when he's going to drop 42 on nine made threes. It's coming. 
it's just not going to, it's just, this isn't the game for the positive regression against the bulls. So I'm going Chicago uh, on the money line there. And I'm going to parlay it with Vooch because I was looking at Vooch stuff and I, I think his prop is pretty fair. Although he does massacre the warriors when he plays them, he owns them completely a 43 point game in, in his uh, arsenal there uh, in his, in his repertoire from the past, his resume is the word I'm looking for. Uh, and, and now we've got him, I can get 15 plus points for him with the win plus 122 on DraftKings is, is, is the best juice that I found for it. So I'm going to full unit on that. He's averaging 26 and a half, 11, well, let's call it 12 boards and four assists exactly per game in his last four versus this team and that dates back to 2021. So I do want to let people know I'm aware that this isn't the most recent sample size of him dominating and Steph getting shut down by Alex Caruso, but that's the game theory here is you're going to shut down the only player on the bulls. Uh, excuse me, on the Warriors with Alex Caruso, who just does not allow point guards to get 28 points on him. The only one that has done that on him in the last month is um, Jalen Brunson, who had 31 in that high-scoring game when the Knicks uh, were, were playing the Bulls in, in, in uh, New York. So now we've got, uh, right, like a, a much different team than even the Knicks, who were playing faster pace at the time, by the way, before they started slowing it down with OG. Um, and now, you know, like I said, with the dubs, like it's just all, it's all wrong. It's all, it's all gone. We just saw them get blown out. I was actually at that game where Brandon Ingram failed to get his points because the game was over by the second quarter. It was like 52 30 in the second quarter of that game. And I, I expect more of that. Like there's no cohesion here. If you want me to like, just look at what the dubs used to do and look at what they do now. And it's just all gone, man. I start this every time I talk about them, but it's the true shooting percentage. That, that bailed them out of so much stuff. True shooting percentage was a result of good ball movement and open shots, not just having the two best shooters in the league. It was a result of the energy, finds the ball finds energy, so you keep moving it kind of style of play that Steve Kerr put out there. And now their assist percentage is way back down uh, when it used to be up in the, uh, in the top five for the majority of their dynasty run, if you will. Uh, the rebounding is a little bit better. I'll give them that. It's still maintained to a degree after Draymond left, but not good by any means, right? They're still in the bottom half of the league there. So with the way that Chicago's playing, the only thing I worry about here when I take Vooch 15 points and the win is like, is Zach Levine going to come in and just terrorize this for us? And he hasn't, right? He's only been back for three games. And in those three games, Vooch still has the second highest usage rate of any bull. In fact, he's only behind Kobe White. So DDR and Zach Levine have taken a slight seat uh, backseat to those two dudes. I haven't looked deeper into why, but I do know that Vooch is getting the shots up and that Zach Levine hasn't cut into his, his stuff yet, right? He's still averaging this. Uh, he's, he's gotten over this prop twice since coming back, just didn't even play that many minutes against the Hornets, right? And then had a really good game of, uh, in overtime against the Rockets last game. So um, I'm just putting the points out there. The rebounds are super high, not that you can't get rebounds against the Dubs, but they are a slightly better rebounding team. And I didn't add the assists, even though I see Vooch getting all these assists recently, because he's still only averaging six potential assists on these four assists that he's getting per game over the last like 10 games. Right. So I don't trust that necessarily because it's it's not there. Like the volume of, of potential assists isn't there for him. He's hitting at a way higher clip of, you know, than I would normally assume like 50 to 55 percent of a success rate on your assists versus potential assists is a lot more reasonable than the like 80 percent that he's at. Right. So I'll go ahead and uh, and just keep it to the points and take 15 plus with the win for Chicago. Yeah, and fine putting some of that um, exposure on just Vucevic to top the prop. Um, 17 and a half points is his core bet, right? Yeah. I mean, he he we he split time with Drummond in the first two games back and then was totally unleashed 41 minutes, 18 and five in that Houston matchup, like you said, and he's eaten against the Warriors. So no qualms there following Vooch for me. Let's do it.
That is all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along. Also, would look at La Flama Blanca's. I forgot to say that. Kobe White might be a good bet as well, and we have to say La Flama Blanca in any episode that we can. So maybe some Kobe White love in there as well. We went 2-2 two and two last night on the play of props there, Nate. So uh, let's let's definitely close it out with a, a winning week and kick it off with your first one. Yeah, I'll go Desmond Bain under tw- 34.5 points and assists, and this number is elevated because he scored 32 against Dallas last time out, right after Ja was announced out for the season. You know, he's only topped this number, I mean, in terms of just his scoring, which is 27 and a half. He's topped it three times, twice against Dallas in, in his last 15 games without Ja. Uh, the other time, he, he had to play 40 minutes, had to take 25 shots in a gross low-scoring game against the Rockets. The road Rockets, I will add, who are much worse defensively on the road. Marcus Smart also out tonight. Uh, and while his usage rate is 3% higher without Smart this season, Bain averages pretty much the same points. He averaged around 25 points per game, 4.8 assists, which is what he averages in, in over the last three seasons against the Clippers, 4.8 assists and 20 points, lower usage. And to me, this is like a bet on the Clippers' defense being pretty good. Also, the possibility that as minus eight road favorites, they could just run away with this game and you don't get Bain down the stretch. Um Clippers are playing some of the best ball in the league, as we know, and particularly their last eight since they were embarrassed by Boston without Kawhi. They are seventh in defensive rating. They are allowing the third fewest points and fifth fewest assists overall. Also, same numbers against point guards specifically. And Bain now going to be asked to be on the ball more, much more with Smart and Morant out. Um, and he's also going to be the focal point of Ty Lue's game plan, right? To say, like, let's stop him, which he clearly has done. Uh, you know, 20 points per game in, in the last few seasons. The Clippers are allowing the fewest field goal attempts overall in that span because they're also playing at the slowest pace in the league on the road. Um, third, 95.5 pace. So I just don't think there'll be a lot of opportunities here for, uh, for, for people to go over in general in Memphis. I mean, maybe like the under for the game here, but I'll just take under on Bain while assuming like Jaron Jackson probably has a better individual matchup than Bain will against these wings. Yeah, I don't know who's going to have a great matchup for Memphis. I mean, I, I would definitely continue to to fade their points and not believe in what we saw against Dallas. That was a little bit of a rah-rah, do-it-for-the-gipper kind of thing, if you want to consider Ja the gipper. But now now we're, we're getting back into rustic, slow uh, Memphis offense, like maybe the worst offense in the league, Memphis offense, without Ja Morant, slow pace. Et cetera, et cetera, right? We Desmond Bain looked really, really good when Ja came back for a reason. He's not a point guard, uh, and he's going to try to act like one at times. And I bet they miss uh, Tyus Jones. But we'll move on to Atlanta. Jalen Johnson's props are the same, Nate. Right? I, I, I literally like zoomed into the dock and was like, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson. Before you could take it, I got it. <laughs> like I, I knew you were going for it. So over twenty-five and a half PR points and rebounds. It doesn't get any. It's like it's been at twenty-seven and a half. Uh, in, in not that long ago. And now it's 25 and a half and they're playing the Pacers and the Pacers give up the most points to power forwards, right? We do this all the time with a few teams in the league who, if you give up transition points, which is Jalen Johnson's in transition more than almost any other player in the whole league with frequency, right? Like it's like 38% of the time that he's in the game, he's in transition. So he's never just not running uh, first of all. And he's an incredible finisher around the rim uh, with a roughly like 80, almost 80% field goal percentage inside of five feet for Jalen Johnson since he came back from injury in the last four games or seven games rather. So like my man, my man knows what he's doing when he gets to the rim and he can leap and get there as much as anybody. So we'll take him for the points and the rebounds. He's gone over in five of seven since he came back from that injury for a few weeks. The only two he went under was versus Orlando, which is obviously an incredible solid 
uh, incredibly solid interior defense and limits power forwards to the seventh fewest points per game. Uh, they also had a blowout loss to the, or excuse me, blowout victory against the Hawks when they still, uh, well, he's on the Hawks. They lost to the Pacers is who they're playing today. Uh, and so they like got blown out by the Pacers, like 115 to like 110 or, you know, 112, whatever. So he only played 26 minutes in that one. Um, but his minutes in production, like I'm willing to say that this is the second best player on the Hawks. And if there's some big DeJounta Murray stands out there, I apologize for your feelings, but like this man is more important and better at basketball right now than DeJounta Murray, at, at least in what he does. I, I'm, that's my strong opinion. He's now uh, in, in third in, in minutes and usage on the team. Bogey comes in, I will say, and gets a few more shots, but Bogey gets a little few more, a few less minutes as well, um, which is why his usage is higher. But Jalen Johnson's not really losing shots to Bogey because they're not playing in the same spot at all. Um, like I said, third in minutes, he's now leading the team in rebounding. He's got the most rebound chances per game. And he has the most rebounds per game. So he's really just doing it all. And in part, it's because the Hawks are running so much that guys like Clint Capella aren't quite making it down the floor at times to be able to pick up maybe an offensive rebound or even hustle all the way back if he, if you know, on defense for a defensive rebound. So uh, a lot of pace in this game, for sure. I don't think a lot of like awesome offense for the Pacers, which is also why I love the rebound prop for Jalen Johnson at this point. It's at eight and a half. He's averaging 11 since he's in the last seven, right? So like, I'm very good with the rebounds, but I'm throwing the points in there too, because the only time he hasn't gotten the points is like I said, a blowout game. He only played 26 and against the the magic, which is that's where you don't score where he wants to go is where you don't score against the magic. That's why Trey and DeJounta Murray torched the magic the last time that they played them. And the last two times that they played them, because that's where you beat the magic from is the perimeter. So we're going to go ahead and just uh, follow the, the easy breadcrumb trail to Jalen Johnson being the dude to, to really light it up tonight for the Hawks. Yeah, I'm glad you walked it back to say second most important player uh, for the Hawks because it it is about fit. Like DeJounte Murray is a great player. He just doesn't fit very well next to Trey Young, and that's why he's probably going to be traded before the deadline, it seems like. But, yeah, Johnson has has been essential for them on both ends of the floor as as a big who's able to run, and he's attacking the rim and getting the free throw line, which is going to be huge against the Pacers, right? Do they still give up the most free throws per game? Oh, yeah. um, yeah, so points, oh, yeah. rebounds, or just rebounds, assists. When you say eight and a half rebounds, I'm like, damn, we could tack on three assists there. And I, yeah, that's just a prop that has not failed for me yeah. in this show. Yeah. And I, and on on a Tuesday, I think when I missed both, I was like, why didn't I just take Jalen Johnson again? God damn it! I know. Uh, but yeah, and, and I do want to say um, the the assists are there for him. It's wild he's getting assists, but yeah, the um the the last point that you made about about Jalen Johnson coming in. I actually already just forgot it. Just oh, is the rebounds right? The uh, the opponent free throws. Yeah, he's going to get to the line a lot too because he's going to have some second chance points. That's also there against the Pacers, but that they are the absolute worst team in limiting free throws. Right, right. All right. So Tobias Harris is the number two option for the Sixers here tonight as they host the Kings. Game total is about two forty two. So I'll take over thirty two and a half PRA. Give me a whole stat bundle for Harris uh, tonight. I mean, his last five without Embiid. Averaging 35 PRA, 23.5 points, 7 rebounds, 4.5 assists. His usage rate is 8% higher uh, without Embiid versus with him. If you look at a five-game sample, also playing five more minutes per game in those games because the Sixers aren't going to blow teams out when they don't have JoJo. Um, That's much less likely. They're much more likely to get into these high-scoring affairs that we've seen recently, especially when you host a team like the Kings. Um, This should be a very good environment to get overs. His last eight against the Kings, uh, Tobias averaging 34 PRA. That might scare you a little bit. Look at his last three without Joel Embiid against the Kings. 39 PRA, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5.7 assists. And those are skewed by when he was limited to 25 minutes last time out because he fouled out of the game. Uh, Otherwise, he has 29% usage rate. 
you know, having a lot of success against a Kings team that allows the eighth most points to power forwards and throw in some rebound chance talk for Josh. Just, just, uh, you know, his last game against Atlanta, 17 rebound chances and only 20% of them were contested. Uh, so again, this kind of similar environment with the Kings where you get up and down, lots of shots going up, easy rebounds to grab. Um, and you know, 13 field goal attempts on 16 drives. So when he is, he's going to the basket with purpose and then he had a 12 and a half percent assist rate on those drives. So much more likely to put up stats is Harris when you don't have Joel Embiid as the hub of this Nick Nurse offense and getting all those dimes and and whatnot. Um, you know, Harris is going to be counted on a lot more in terms of not just usage, not just putting the ball up, but doing doing it all. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Uh, I was looking at Toby as well, and, and like we probably miss you know, incorrectly tried to sort of fade him at first and be like, ah, it doesn't matter if he's, if Joel is playing, he hasn't done much, but the lack of James Harden this year has really made him that important when Joel is not in. And now he is someone that you can target with these props. It's going to continue to be around what, like 27 and a half, 28 and a half points and rebounds until he goes under that again. And this is a, a good matchup for him to, uh, to go over. So yeah, I, I, I support it, but uh, let me close it out here with st- also just sack. I don't know what's going on with them. They, they are weird right now, man. I, I've been watching their games and I, playing bad teams, playing all the way down to their comp, but also just not really even beating good teams uh, right now. So they're going to need to pick it up, but let's close it out with Steph. I believe I can still get him because I hit it at under 27 and a half points and it is 26 and a half. Now I don't know if there's going to be any 27s left. Oh no, there are. You can still get some 27. Some books have a 26, but you can find a 27 and a half. And that's what I would take points. And I know I've been, I've been hitting up the rebounds and assists for him as the under, but I've also been consistently using this strategy of if a point guard is playing Alex Caruso, then I'm going to go ahead and go under on the points and not worry about the assists or rebounds. Because after the ball gets out of the point guard's hand, Alex Caruso doesn't really care. So Chicago is actually bad at limiting point guard assists and very good, the best at limiting point guard points um, because they're just playing that press D up on you. And Alex Caruso is, has one job when there's a guy like Steph on the floor opposite him and it is chase him everywhere and bother him and do not let him score. That's it. And if there's a switch, you fight through the screen because we would always, always rather have you on it uh, than Steph, right? And so Steph's going to get doubled the way that he does, right? Because Alex Caruso is not switching on screens. So when someone comes up and sets a screen for Steph, that doesn't mean Caruso's switching onto his guy. He's They're doubling Steph at that point. And now you've got an open man. And that's going to be the way that you continue to beat the Warriors. It was never there for you before because once you once Dray, uh, Draymond Green got the ball in his hands on a four-on-three after you double Steph, you're, you're toast and you're just not toast anymore, especially without Draymond in there. And now without Chris Paul as well, which is what we've seen in the last two games without both those guys, not only can he not get it going, the team can't get anything going. Um, and so the 28 points for him is like, look at the end of the day, Steph goes Steph. And like I said, I'm hitting black until black runs out. Like I'm not changing it. And so with Steph, I've got to go to it. There's going to be positive regression at some point. He's going to go off. I talked about it in the, in the best bets video. But this ain't that moment for him. It's not against Alex Caruso and the Bulls, who, like I said, don't let people do this. Only Jalen Brunson has scored more than 27 points on the Bulls as a point guard in the last month of the season. And I'm sure I could go back even further, and it still would only be like less than a handful of guys who have done that when Caruso is in the game. Because Rozier just went off because Kobe White was guarding him, right, when they played the Hornets. That was not an Alex Caruso game. So it's just wild how you you see the the random... Uh, upticks in opposing point guard points and then you're like well let me look at the game log I'm almost positive Caruso wasn't in that game and sure enough usually that's the case so uh, I'm just going to continue to follow that like the the assist for for Steph and all that I get it it's at 37 and a half PRA but if he's not getting 38 P 
PRA, it's because he's not getting 28 points, period. That end of story. He's not going to put up 20 points at rebounds, right? So we're not too worried about that. Uh, I'll just leave it out there, not try to get too cute and just say he's not getting 28 tonight. Yeah, it is also the front end of a back-to-back for the Warriors. They're at the mm-hmm. Bucks tomorrow. So, I mean, if you want to take under on Steph in this matchup, be ready to fire the over tomorrow against Dame Lillard and company. And maybe the Warriors, yeah, they, they, I mean, they're certainly not going to have as much success on offense in this matchup as they will against the Bucs. Uh, I don't know if they're, they'll pull the plug. Like, it'll probably be a low-scoring physical game. Yeah. But, yeah, not not really an environment for Steph to go off. So, I'll defer to you as, the, as our Warriors beat writer here uh, yep. as to when Steph's going to start breaking out of the slump. Yeah, I don't know when it's going to be. It's, it, 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 I don't know if it's going to be, you know, you want to call it a slump. It's really just like, what's he supposed to do? He's playing one off four, you know, and it's it's pretty yeah. sad to watch at times. I think Kaminga's probably good. I just still cannot, like, because Kaminga's, you can get him uh, 13 and a half points, uh, 14 and a half in some places for better juice. And, like, I just still don't trust Kerr's rotations enough to go. I only know at least Steph is going to play and Clay is going to play. And I don't really know, maybe Pajemski, but even he sometimes just comes out for other guys, but it's matchup based and. Kaminga is a good matchup as an athletic dude who, uh, you know, will be able to handle Pat Williams for sure. So that's all the time we have for you in best bets. Continue. Or this is best. This is play of props here. Uh, we also have best bets up for you, though, in another video. So go ahead and check that out. Like and subscribe to that page. Have a great weekend betting. And until we see you next, happy betting.